Jack, Holly, congratulations are in order. Congratulations, but what for? Tech Top 100 just got news this week. So nice, nice job to you two. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you, sir. Thanks to our listeners also. Yeah, no kidding. And thanks to you for <laughs> slugging it out. Bring Holly and I along for the ride. <laughs> the, the, the fact that uh, people actually keep keep listening to me meow on and spew <laughs> like pointless things that are circular and don't really like don't don't really get to a point. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for tolerating. Thanks, everybody. Hey, what are we talking about today? Well, it's supposed to be Swipes Day. Yeah today but um i don't we we don't have anything notable or the swiper no swiping yeah i don't oh not actually let's put it this way there's nothing that i would choose to talk about there's nothing that i would choose to waste my circular breath on Mm -hmm. talking about because it's also pointless and and also just just not interesting agreed all right so here's here's what i propose for today let's yolo I would propose let's let's talk about how uh, Q1 cyber investment has gone. So we're uh, we've now closed up Q1 or very close to it. I think there's still some probably some some stragglers coming in, but I think we're starting to see some pretty good numbers here. So um, thought we could uh, talk about that. Um, more importantly, as a, maybe an indication of things to come and. Uh, I guess, kind of give us a vote of confidence that we're going to have plenty of content to talk about in future. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Yep. All right. So the uh, article that I'm looking at here is um, is actually at a Crunchbase. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Chris Metinko. The, sh- the shorter the article is, for in the VC world, in the investment world, there's a lot of uh, concerns that exist within the market. You know, everything that comes with like, Recession, stagflation, wars in Europe, the world's super unsettled. As such, like a lot of VCs are taking a little bit of a, a wait and see approach to kind of see how things unfold, with the exception of cyber. <laughs> right. Right. They keep barreling ahead and pouring cash into the market. And um, it looks like here, um, at the end of Q1, we have increased we we collectively the the industry the investment industry has increased investment into the cyberspace by 50% which was 50% over the same quarter last year yep. the same quarter last year was already record breaking and now we're 50% higher so this Q1 is already or this year in this Q1 is already off to like a phenomenal start but maybe it's an indication that uh the rest of the year could uh could follow suit yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, right? So um, thanks for the pointer. Uh, looking at the article in Crunchbase, it looks like in Q1, 21, they're looking at about $4 billion. Interestingly, in Q4, Justin, $8.2 billion, right? Yeah. So investment in these firms doubled between Q1 and Q4 last year. And it's pretty interesting. And then, as you mentioned, the most recently, we're on six, right? So here's another aspect. Here's another view on it from the the Jack Danahy worthless perspective, which is this. We're seeing a lot of money come into a market at a period of time when um, the economy itself is doing modestly, right? Uh, There's been a lot of reasons why in Q4 the stock market experienced some up and down. There's some geographic instability going on between then and now, um, and yet all this investment is happening. And at the same time, if you look at the number of big rounds that are happening, right, if you look in Q1 2022, 
there were 17 nine-figure rounds. That means 17 companies needed over $100 million to achieve whatever that next phase of growth was, including, like, I think we saw recently, there's a, a billion dollar into Securonics about a month ago, I guess, right? So for me, maybe part of the issue is that some of these companies, which had relatively stratospheric valuations coming into Q4 next year, needed additional money to continue to run their businesses and continue to hit their growth objectives. And maybe what's happening is this is not necessarily an indication that there's a ton of new awesome tech coming out because of all these investments, but rather some of the organizations which had invested a ton already have to pick up and carry those investments forward with even more cash uh, to make sure that they don't you know, fall away to nothing in a, in a period of slowdown. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to in there actually look at jack i'm like i'm taking notes now (laughs) (laughs) tables of turn my friend i'm the i'm I'm the note taker today how much of the increased investment percentages so we said we're about 50 Mm percent up in q1 this year as we were in the same quarter in 21 how much of that do you think is that is related to new investments in the space or rather, this is the manifestation of all of the FY21 investments advancing into larger series, larger rounds, and therefore, just by nature of like the increased number of cyber companies receiving funded, therefore, there's more companies to fund this year. And by just that fact alone, dollars are going to be increasing. Well, horrible Jack he cocktail napkin math says, right? The, the, da- the data shows 17 nine-figure rounds. And we know that Securonics came in in Q1 at a billion plus, right? So let's call it a billion. And let's say that a nine-figure round means, you know, 100 million or more, obviously. So even if we said that's just 100 million, I'm just going to soft top of my head, right? So that's 16 times 100 million. So there's 1.6 billion plus another billion Securonics just has one deal. There's $2.6 billion at the minimum out of the $5.9 billion. So that $2.6 billion is actually more than the increase in venture between Q1 2021 and Q1 2022. And that's just 17 companies, including Securonics. And I'm going to tell you, I will bet that not everybody wrote nine-figure checks that had eight zeros in them, right? And a yeah. one at the beginning. My guess is if you did the average statistically, it's probably more around 300 million, at which point you're looking at probably half of that 5.9 billion went to a couple of handfuls of companies that were moving either into the mezzanine, having huge success growing rapidly, or just need a lot of money to continue to survive until the market improves. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Let, let me ask you this. this. This one might be slightly loaded. <laughs> All right. So all these companies are getting funded. We keep having breaches, though. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like these investments are helping to solve the cyber problem? Yeah, I mean, what a great question, right? I mean, it appears to me that if you talk to security professionals outside the vendor community, right, people who are like analysts or experts or consultants or folks who move to the problem or CISOs and some of the big companies, they'll tell you that a lot of the chief challenges are the same ones that have been hitting us in the face for the last 15 years anyway, Right. And they're relatively straightforward problems associated with user behavior, system configuration, hygiene, drift, and dwell, right? The new companies that are dragging in these gobs of money tend to be solving relatively new problems, right? Relatively niche problems. Um, and they're not necessarily addressing the older problems, which continue to exist, right? So 
is this money meant to advance an industry to finally correct those core problems that have affected us since the dawn of time, which would be awesome? Uh, I don't think so. I think that the new money is chasing the new problems that in some, time, in some ways they're addressing, in some ways they're almost sort of highlighting and emphasizing, creating more urgency around. And so if, if, if I'm thinking about where this money's going, it's not necessarily to make it less likely that organizations will be broken into through the ways they're ordinarily broken into. It's actually addressing this sense that there's always a remaining gap and they're growing because they can sell to close that gap. So I don't think the current style of investing brings us closer to closing some of those, those core problems in security management, security urgency that have affected us since the beginning of time. Yeah. Do you feel like the shifting cyber landscape is uh, stable and static enough in such a way that by the time these, these companies go through all their series, go through all their years of growth, that the path they've been on for the last five or six years, are, are they still relevant? To, to the cyber industry after all these years. Like I, I, I kind of think of it like a, launching a rocket ship a little bit, right? Like you go to, you go to NASA and say, Hey, we're going to, we're, we're going to launch this rocket and uh, we're going to, we're going to try to put this rocket on, on the star, you know, and this is uh this, this is our destination. This is where we're going and we're going to pour all of our money into it and getting to the star is super important. And then in the course of like planning the trip, putting all the cash into it, getting everybody trained, the launch day finally comes and uh, you know, rocket starts to take off and they say, Oh shit. Star died. <laughs> or, Oh, that's, that's actually, that's actually not the right star. We actually want to go to a different star. We thought there was life on this star, but like the galaxy changed and now it's moved. It's actually over here. It's like, ah, shh, Nikes, we missed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great, I think it's a great analog, right? I had really good fortune years ago uh, having a discussion with one of the members of the CSAIL team at MIT who had worked on Mars Rover, right? Super brilliant dudes and gals over there, just really getting it done. And what they were talking about was the fact that their systems had to compensate for things that they knew were going to change. So they didn't feel that they would have absolute knowledge of everything, and they also didn't have absolute confidence in all their equipment. So they created analytical redundancies, Right. So if they cared about what altitude they were at trying to land the rover, they if the altimeter like died, right, they could actually do it by sort of a combination of line and sight, where's the sun, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd figure out, you know, how high they were in the air. Right. So to your question about sort of the orbital mechanical or, or orbital mechanics of security, right? I think you've just highlighted why some of this doesn't work. Because when people take the moonshot, and they think that they're close enough to the right direction that by simply funneling more oxygen into the fuel tanks, they'll be able to get where they want to go. They're ignoring the fact that the companies that have actually been successful are mainly successful because they're able to move around a little bit. And we've talked a lot in an earlier episode about Mandiant, right? Their capacity to absorb new tech, understand new threats, do new things, continues to make them super valuable, whereas companies who find themselves entrenched in a legacy analytic uh, capability or legacy problem solving capability, they don't. And I think the, the thrust of your question for me is, you know, it, is this is this funding advancing the development of that more resilient approach to security that'll recognize and be able to address new threats as they pop? Or is it meant to keep these things alive until they can sold to somebody else so they can be a cash cow in somebody else's book? And I think Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is the latter. And it's not so much the former. And I think it's a great question. But let me let me ask you a question, right? So yeah. 
Here we are working away at New Harbor. You built this company some number of years ago, continues to grow, adopting new tech all the time. So how do you decide, right, what technologies to include in what we do to support the customers, right? Because every time we decide to adopt something new, we're learning new stuff. We're applying new sources of telemetry, doing different analytics. How do you make that decision about who to sort of put the bet on when it comes time to help customers with what they're trying to do? Yeah. It's a pretty easy answer. <laughs> I, wish there was, I wish there was a lot of science to it. And there, there is some, some, some technical consideration that goes into all these, right? But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm making light of it a little bit. But uh, my, my philosophical approach has been that the threat landscape is shifting so fast. It is reasonable to think that technology that we invest in today or tomorrow might be obsolete in three to four years. Really, and for me, for us to bet the company, like our company, on a singular technology that we think is best to breed at any single point in time, I, I, th I think it's, it's a little short-sighted myself. So my, my philosophical approach to it is saying, let's take a step back, not commit to any one individual technology per se. Try to, try to diversify across series of technologies that we think are best of breed that have uh, some momentum in the market and have been around for a little while. Like they've, they've withstood the test of time and seem like they can keep up with a shifting threat landscape, put those pieces together, but more importantly, use those as instruments in an orchestra to create successful outcomes for our clients. And to think like our clients, they, they want to hear, great music sticking with, with the orchestra analogy. And honestly, like a lot of times, like I think they could care less about like what, what instruments actually played when they just want to know that the music's good and they're, they feel like they're, they're getting entertainment value out of their the investment in their ticket. And so for us kind of approaching the market, the, the advantage that we have as being kind of a well-rounded cyber firm is that we can pull and tug on technology. So like, we, we we don't do anything with with laceworks as an example, but laceworks was on the on the list. But um, you know, if uh, something happens, you have like a lacework, or you have a like an imperva, or you have a poly, like whatever, insert whatever tech you want. Um, if they're not working out, we just we pull them out and we we replace them. And the the way I kind of think about the market is um, it's less about technologies, and brands like brand technologies. It's about features in problems that those technologies solve. And when you're able to kind of look at the market from that standpoint, I'm saying extract the features that are important, you know, extract the pieces that help you create successful outcomes. And there's, I've said it before, like there's, there's always going to be a better mousetrap coming along. It's going to have better features, right? So you can um, pull and tug, you can plug and play, but we do it for the sole, sole purpose of our clients. And so I think for us being able to stay relevant for all the years that we have within the cyber industry, it's because we've taken that approach and technology changes, but we just, we just keep rolling on just trying to create successful outcomes. Let me drag you back to when we, at the top of this, we we're talking about sort of the volume of cash and the investment scenarios, right? And you just described the way that uh, we look to serve the clients with these features that are associated with some of these technologies and ordinarily, right? As a startup guy, you look at your what you're trying to build and you say, eh, is this a feature or is this a business, right? And you'll sometimes hear that from venture firms or from your advisors. They'll say, well, you know, Jack, that's really excellent, but that's more of a feature. It's not really a company. 
I did a little bit of research uh, on what's happening in the investments these days, and I did a look at uh, five of the most recent seed uh, rounds that I could find. And those seed rounds ran from $5 million to $25 million in a seed round. That means as these companies are coming out, I think if you've taken a $5 million seed round, you think you're a company. You know, it's going to be difficult to think of that as a feature. So if, example, we wanted to address some new kind of risk, so we needed some new kind of technology to feed into our existing ecosystem, if it was kind of small, that would be okay. But if these organizations are taking in $5 million at a whack, right, just from the seed, it feels as though like an organization, whether it's a company or a service provider who wants to adopt it, is going to have to take on a whole load, right? A whole dumpster yeah. full of stuff to get the bit of feature that they want. How do you think that plays out over time for these companies that jump into the market with probably at least a good idea at the center of it, but probably a lot of stuff built around it to make it feel more like a company? I think your point's super valid. I think a lot of companies start off with a, with a great idea and a great aspiration. And um, perhaps for a variety of reasons, they take that idea and try to try to turn it into a company. And for, for, for all, all the reasons you just mentioned, right? You got $5 million, you got $25 million. Um, you have to organize people around this idea and the concept. And that's, that's really all a company or business is, is just an organization of people. But I think this is really the shortcoming of, of the market, in, in my opinion, is there's very few people, I believe, that intimately understand the cyber market. They understand the technology landscape, and they understand client needs. There's very, very few people that have all of those aspects or have that have the, those those understandings. And so, the result of it is, you know, I think for people like myself or even you, Jack, like you can you can look at an idea. We say, oh, that would be a great feature in insert technology power or insert whatever you want, or this this idea would be great if paired with whomever. There's very few people that I think that have that sense of awareness, like founders and actually investors. So in the absence of that awareness, I think it becomes a finance exercise. Like at the end of the day, you're going to help a couple people, a couple clients. Sure. Like the, the cyber spend and, you know, client adoption and their willing willingness to take on new things is, is pretty high. And yeah, you'll, you'll definitely get a couple customers, but at the end of the day, the person that you're ultimately benefiting is the finance company that agrees to seed you or fund you, right? Like they're they're the ones that are making out the most. Honestly, I, I think it's experience. I think there's very few people that can look at an idea and say, hey, this is, this is going to be market changing. Um, there's others that say, hey, this is going to be a great finance exercise. And whether it's solves cyber issues or just makes my wallet fatter, um, <laughs> it's so, so, sounds like a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 when you're just saying that, just take down a couple of notes. When you talk about the limited number of people in whichever community that is capable of understanding that, Got you that taking combination. Notes. <laughs> uh, dude, the usual. I'm always taking notes. But, but when you say that, that the ability to blend together, right, that combination of like the customer needs, the tech that supports it, and actually the capabilities that are being provided, the fact that that ability doesn't exist in a lot of places. I was just thinking, as you're saying, I mean, that like reflects so much of what we've talked about in the podcast over the last couple of months, which is that's why the marketing's horrible. That's why people over say what they're going to do. They oversell the capabilities or the applicability of their tech, because even if it's a really great niche idea, it's not enough to be a niche idea. You've got to say that this thing that does good prevention against middle attacks is also the universal solution for credential theft. 
right? Or it's a universal solution for stopping malware, even though it's just, you know, it handles mimicats and runs away. Who knows? But, you know, that it's, it is a smaller thing. But the company itself has to position as larger as solving a more broad problem that they hope to solve over time. The investors have to believe that they'll solve their problem over time. The customers buy it because they sort of trust it because they don't understand it all that very well. Yeah. And we get away from that question of capabilities. So I think it's a really great point that, that you know, as we hope to educate the market, right, as, as we hope for people to understand more, they'll ask more specific questions about what exactly is it that you do. So whether we're talking about the way that the investors invest or the companies buy or the market grows, they focus more on what you just described. What's the new feature that you need to solve the problem? Not do I need a whole new platform to solve a small problem, which is, you know, 10% different from the one that appeared a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd say to add on that a little bit too, I think the um, investment community amplifies and exaggerates that that issue. And what I mean by that is you look at like the tr traditional VC approach to the market is it's an averages game. You know, the majority of VC firms have piles of cash and they have to invest it, especially if if they've raised funds and you you have limited partners. Your limited partners are expecting that you're going to invest it. And you gave me a master class on that like couple months ago. <laughs> like if you get if you get 50 million bucks, like you have to go out and spend it. Otherwise someone's losing their job. So I I think that's uh you have VCs in the cyber market who are just applying funds because they need to be applied. And um for them it's it 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 is an uh, an average game, like I mentioned before, which means that they're gonna have some winners, they're gonna have a lot of losers. But the ones that are big winners make up for all of the other losers. But that also means that you're not getting a lot of help as a founder, someone's taking those dollars, you're not getting a lot of material help from your VC. They're not going to be there with you trying to understand the market, trying to understand the market fit. They're not like this. That's just not how they work. What is going to happen is they say, hey, like, let's do a study and we're going to outsource it to a company that also doesn't know shit. And then they're going to come up, they're going to come back and tell us a couple things. And since we paid for it and they're third party and impartial, like it's got to be credible. But by the way, like they may not have any more experience than anybody else. So it turns into this like game of like three blind mice half the time. So I, I guess I kind of say all that stuff like, you know, looking at the landscape, trying to change, trying to change the industry, trying to understand the industry. Like that's not, you don't, you, you, you don't have VCs partnering with founders to, to try to create something awesome. I mean, as, as long, as long as the numbers work mm -hmm. and the, the, the spreadsheet ticks and ties at the end. Good. I think that that's right. If we're seeing the rounds at this size, right? Back to the headline, right? If we're seeing rounds of this size, 17 rounds of that volume, these massive rounds we're seeing more recently, then maybe those investors would have been better off reevaluating some of the fundamentals, helping the company to get the, the team in place that they needed to in order to spend what they had more effectively when it was only a $5 million seed before they got to the billion dollar series A. Right. And that, and that, I think that's, I think that's exactly on the money because having been one, right. Founders seldom believe they need the help, right. Sometimes it takes an exercise to get them there. And so they're going to keep muddling along. And if you keep investing in the organization, learning as it grows, some of that's good, but some of it may be helped if the investors were adding more value than just, just the cash. Cause I think this much money at a company at these late stages means to me, at least that there's a reason why they need that much money. Nobody takes money yeah. unless they, needed for something. And if they need it because it, they're losing money or they're not an attractive profitability, you know, course of funds kind of company, then they probably would have been better off spending some of those earlier funds to get a more stable business. Yeah, I agree. It, um, 
makes makes you think of a couple of things. The first one is um, I, I have an emerging theory here. <laughs> so we've been uh, we've been struggling for years within the cyber industry about talent, right? Like mm-hmm. like this it's been a theme for like the last ten years. Like we're underskilled, we need more help, we need more qualified people. Meow meow meow. And now like there's been there's been a lot of investment with higher ed institutions, certification programs, which you know I love, to try to like train people and kind of bring them up to speed and educate them on the market. I don't believe that that same training and awareness has made it up to the people who are holding the purse strings, which Mm. is, you know, the VCs, right? Um, So you have uh, finance and business folks without, without any cyber experience per se. So I think the I think that the talent issue is, is lagging a little bit. And I would expect in time, like it would catch up, like you're eventually going to have cyber guys that are gals that end up becoming investors themselves and can inform and influence the market correctly. But I think, I think that's, uh, that's, that's still a ways off. And um, so that, that was the first one. The second part was uh, you sent me something. What was it like last week? It was about um, qualities of like a, like a good executive. Mm-hmm. It was something to the effect of it. That effect, and there was like f- f- three or four attributes in there. But when I look at like a lot of the founders, about at least at least the ones that I know, like they are f- they fundamentally lack some of those characteristics. Like they don't they they don't have the the self awareness to be like a well rounded executive. And you know, granted, like you're they're 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 going to learn on the. F- on the fly and their, their feet are going to be thrown in the fire. It's going to definitely be like a crash course in like executive leadership, but um, some are, some are going to make it and some aren't. And so kind of like coming back to your point about kind of leading and ha- having that partner, like an investment firm, like helping them, coaching them, teaching them the right thing to do. Like, you know, Hey, watch out for this type of event or watch out for this like personnel situation or just someone that like helps you see around corners. Like no one's doing that for these people. Right. It's like, it is totally like you're going to fail forward and it might not be fast, but it will certainly hurt. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, I think we've given our opinion on the natural beneficial effects of this massive increase in funding into Q1. I'll look forward to doing this again in in Q2 and maybe a year from now to see if anything's changed. But uh, in an absence of a right swipe, this was a, a pretty good use of my time. Yeah, solid. Yeah, it kind of kind of turned into a little bit of a rant. I'm uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Jack, thanks for the time. Jack, Holly, congratulations again. Top 100 Woo-hoo! virtual fist bumps. <laughs> uh, if you need cybersecurity help or you need uh, honest investment advice, you know how to find us, pwned at newharborsecurity.com. And also, if you're looking for help trying to keep up with a shifting threat landscape or everything else that might come with it, you got, you got our email. So catch you next time. <laughs>